everybody, welcome back to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. Today, it's episode 66, and I'm doing kind of a case study this week. Had a, a customer that called in and had some unique requests, and I wanted to kind of walk you through the problem solving that uh, I used to help this customer find the perfect wood for his project. It also could be applied to your own projects as you kind of stare down the barrel of whatever your functional or structural needs could be. This could be very beneficial to helping you find just the perfect species or species for your particular project. Before I do that, I do want to say thank you to all of my patrons. We're coming to the end of 2021, and there's quite a few of you who have been with me for the entire year. There's actually quite a few of you who have been with me since the uh, beginning of this podcast. Well, frankly, long before that, Wood Talk uh, uh, fans that followed me over here because they just couldn't get enough Wood Talk. So literally, we're talking about wood. That's all we do here. So thank you, as always, to the folks who sponsor this show. If you, of course, feeling left out, fear of missing out is a very real thing. Go to patreon.com slash lumber update, and you too can be one of the cool kids. But seriously, folks, that sounds like such a radio thing to say or like a comedian thing to say. I feel like I should be headlining in Atlantic City. Uh, seriously, folks, try the prime rib. Um, <laughs> good Lord, I'm really off topic already. No, seriously, thanks so much to those of you who sponsor this show. It, it means a lot to me. It definitely uh, keeps the show going. So let's talk, let's talk case studies here. Um, case you've been living under a rock. Obviously, I work at a lumber yard. While I'm not in sales, I do get a lot of phone calls. Folks who uh, read the blog on the website, folks who know me through my various other podcasts, um, sometimes folks who just call in saying they've got questions about wood. And, you know, the receptionists at my company know that if they get a call like that, it usually makes most sense to pass it over to me as the resident wood nerd. So, you know, we do pride ourselves on, on knowing a lot about wood and, and really every day we help our customers pick out the best species or the best application for whatever their project is. So there's always lots of advice on uh, the care and feeding of different lumber and lumber species, the installation, the maintenance. And it seems recently one of my would-be customers really decided to test it out and see just how good we really were about our wood knowledge. So uh, here we are, let's see, this was probably early December, and this guy called in, he was probably one of the jolliest people that you've ever you know, talked to on the phone. He told me that he had an exterior project that he was building that would be subjected to really all manner of weather conditions and, and huge temperature swings, pretty much all in the, over the course of 24 hours. So really dramatic, short period of time that um, this, this wood would be exposed to all this. He wanted to build the whole piece from wood. So, you know, steel, composites was out of the question. Some of the wood would be painted. Some of it needed to be bent. So he, he, he said steam bent, but I kind of chalked that up as it would certainly be bended. Maybe there could be a different technique, but he specifically said steam bent. And this is why I like this guy. He said he was going to be building it entirely with hand tools. Okay, my kind of person, right? The one thing he was adamant about is the species used is going to be strong enough to take a beating, yet it should be lightweight. And he went on to say that he's built the same project every year for as long as he can remember because it never holds up to the stresses uh, of, his, of his job. 
So I tried to ask some questions about the nature of the project and, and, and what, what he did for work, but he was kind of evasive on that point. He kept saying something about believing is seeing and blah, blah, blah. So he's not going to really tell me what he's building, but he's given me kind of a list of functional demands. So I know this is going to be a challenge, but the fact that I don't actually know what the end product is means that I can kind of look at this from a much more objective perspective. Not knowing what he was building would give me the chance to examine strictly the demands to be placed on the wood and not let that decision be clouded by, for lack of a better term, tradition. So I asked a few more questions to kind of qualify his statements and rank their importance. And, and this is a list that I came up with of functional structural demands from the customer. Um, it needed to be exterior grade with uh, exposure to wide climate swings over a 24 hour period. So there would be direct exposure to snow, ice, rain, heat, humidity, the whole, the works. It needed to be strong and resistant to great stress. Um, whatever that means. It should be good for steam bending. As I said, he was going to be bending it, uh, some of it. Um, it should take paint well and, and look nice, but also look nice in a natural state. And, and one random thing, it should go well with red. So whatever the natural color palette is, it, it should go well with, with red. Okay. Um, and it needed to be lightweight. Now, um, he was clear to say this is important, but if the wood we chose was a little bit heavier, there were ways he could get around that by, by adding a little bit more power to the structure. Again, don't really know what we're talking about here, but I put the lightweight at the bottom of the list and put everything above that in priority. So to me, it's obvious we're dealing with some kind of vehicle here. And, and from the temperature, durability, and weight requirements, I assume we're building a wooden aircraft of some sort. The steam bending thing was a bit different, um, but I, I knew we could kind of figure that out. So even though it's not first on the list of requirements, steam bending really, let's consider that first. See, kiln-dried lumber, while it's not impossible, it's not great for steam bending. It's kind of terrible for steam bending. The drying, the kiln drying process sets the lignin fibers and they lose some of their elasticity. Certainly the wood becomes harder and it just doesn't bend as well. Green wood's really best for bending, air dried being kind of the second choice. Straight grain, certainly it's a big deal since any fibers that run out along the edge of that bend, they're, they're prone to splintering as you bend it. That said though, a list of species that I can get green um, is, is, it's not, it's not impossible. There's just, there's standard channels and more and more of these days, sawmills are choosing to do at least some drying of the wood. A, they can add a little bit more value. They can increase their margins a little bit. Cause as I've said many times on this show, the sawmill has very, very tight margins. And you'd be really surprised what sawmills are selling green lumber for as compared to what you might be paying for kiln dried off, uh, you know, right off the rack. So it is a little bit more difficult to get green material. We can certainly get it, but the species list is kind of kind of limited there. So I kind of assembled a list of species that, that I can get green or that I could get air dried. Um, fortunately, a lot of the domestic species that we bring in day in and day out, they kind of qualify for this. So do a few of the exotics. The problem with the exotics though, is they are almost always dried to a European standard. If, for no other, if not for stability, but for dropping the weight so that they can fit more lumber into a shipping container to put on a boat to go across the ocean. Shipping green lumber is incredibly cost uh, prohibitive with very little volume to be able to fit into container because they have weight limits. 
So kind of thinking we need to look at domestic species here. I think the best species to consider for bending would be an open poured wood. Uh, a ring porous wood or at least a, a large poured wood, it's got more dead space. It's got more air in it to allow room for compression. As you bend, whether it's you know bent lamination or steam bending, you are compressing the fibers on one side, the inside of the bend, and you're stretching the fibers on the outside or convex side of the bend. Having larger pores or at least pores in a nice ordered ring like you find in ring pores means that there are kind of like perforation points that the wood can compress into and allow for that stretching or compression depending on what side of the bend. So in general, ring porous woods are, are great for this. It's also nice that ring porous woods rive really easily to give you that nice straight grain material. So with that in mind, we probably should be looking at a hardwood. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before that softwoods, they're not, they're not measured by porosity and they don't really have pores. Um, softwoods, they don't steam bend very well. They tend to just kind of fall apart, like delaminating plywood almost. They, they don't, again, not impossible, but not the best idea and probably not something that I would suggest to a customer because they just don't know, you know, how much experience. This guy sounds like he's got a fair amount of experience since he's been building this a lot, but it just doesn't make sense. I can't in good conscience say use a softwood here. So immediately white oak, red oak, and ash come to mind. Domestic species, I can get green, large pores, and ring porous. But on the opposite side, I think beech and maple could also work despite their kind of closed pore structure. There is enough compression there and it's been, I, I know a lot of customers who've been beech and actually I've got quite a few chair building customers that use maple as well. It's not as easy, but it certainly can be done. Now, the painted demand here, it's not a major concern as most woods are gonna take paint readily, you know, whether it's directly under the wood or using some kind of primer. And they always can be prepped with uh, an oil-based primer to help with that exterior grade as well. Um, exotic woods, they cause problems here. So their abundance of natural oils and things sometimes can cause adhesion issues. But I think I've kind of already eliminated exotics from consideration because of the fact of that, that steam bending, that, that non-kiln dried nature. That's, that's kind of the trump card in this situation. To me, the biggest concern here is, are the elements, the extreme temperature and moisture changes this wood's gonna go through over a, small, a short period of time. No wood species I know of is gonna remain that stable when the temperature and humidity rise drastically and then plummet just as quickly. However, wood that has been kiln dried will remain stable during quick climate changes. You see, the, the heat of the kiln, as I said before, it actually hardens the cell walls of the wood as it's baked and dried, which means that those wood fibers, they shed water like a dry creek bed. So go into the desert and there's a, you know, a thunderstorm that goes through and all the water just sluices right off those dry creek beds. You get flash floods because there's no water soaking into the soil. Same thing's happening with kiln dried material. So longer exposure to water and, and, and um, the temperature changes and relative humidity changes will soak into a kiln dried wood. But if it's a short period of time, that could actually be really good. So there is, kind of something there's a there's a happy medium here because i've said that air dried or green would be better for bending but if you were to bend green wood then kiln dry it while it's in its bending form not only are you going to set the bend and make the bend more stable but that kiln drying is going to harden those fibers and 
help prevent some of the, the movement and, and, and degradation of the wood during these spikes of temperature and humidity change that, that this guy has said that it's going to be running into. So even though we're saying that I shouldn't use kiln dry for, for bending, the happy medium is use green and then kiln dry it while it's in the bending form. I don't know that you can get quite the same kiln dried stability that you would through, you know, a multi-week kiln drying um, cycle. But I think with the thinner materials that would come from steam bending from actual parts rather than like rough sawn lumber, I think you can get a pretty good facsimile thereof by kiln drying it in in the form. So the key really with this weather viability or variability, I should say, is is to focus on a species that resists rot. Um, due to exposure to water. Uh, really, a good exterior species will stand up to water and good construction techniques will really take care of the wood movement issues. So while we're talking about stability, I'm not really concerned so much about wood movement because there will be short spikes and drops of temperature and the wood's really not gonna have that much time to respond. It should stand up to the water though. So, you know, using decent joinery to build whatever this vehicle is that allows for the freedom of, of movement and exploits the expansion and attraction of the wood to actually make the joint stronger, that could be really good. So like variable dryness like chair makers use, where you insert a bone dry tenon into a somewhat wet mortise, the mortise shrinks around the tenon while the tenon um, expands due to absorbing moisture from, from the mortise side of things. That could actually be really really make strong construction. Additionally, things like pegs and wedges could be a great idea to provide a, a mechanical joint instead of relying on just friction and glue. So the thing to remember though, if the wood is not water resistant, all of these good construction and mechanical advantages things, all those bets are off. So let's make sure we're looking at a species that's gonna be good from, from an exterior water resistance perspective. Now, the last on the list was the, the weight. And I'm glad that's that's really not as big of a deal because most of the lighter weight species, I kind of immediately disqualify because of their poor exterior ratings and really the inability to be bent. When I think of lightweight and exterior grade, I immediately think Western red cedar. Well, it's a softwood. We've already talked about how that's not gonna bend real well. And, you know, I'm not sure that I would I would trust bending, bending Western red like that. Alaskan yellow, there's another one, that's a softwood. Um, a lightweight hardwood, something like uh, Paloena, uh, Polonia, sorry, I always, I always, for some reason I've always pronounced it Paloena and I know that's not how I pronounced it, so Polonia. Um, really, really lightweight. It is ring porous, big wide open pores. It is a hardwood, but the hardness is so low that I'd be worried about um, the, the stress on the overall structure. Uh, you know, this guy talked about how it could go through take quite a beating, and I'm not sure that that's the best species for it. So considering all of these factors, finding a wood that's strong yet flexible to deal with stresses of flight, I assume, and, and any landings, well, that narrows it down to, to beech, white oak, and ash. All three of these species look great with a natural finish and frankly will complement his red paint job too. So. The emphasis on extreme exterior exposure though, to me, white oak is the clear winner. You see, white oak has um, big, big pores, but they're closed up with a substance called tylose. It's a crystalline substance. I think of it like silicone caulk that you put around your bathtub. 
that essentially dams up those pores, preventing water from getting in. It locks out the moisture entirely. This makes white oak extremely water resistant. It's quite hard. Uh, it's got a Jenko hardness of over 1200. Uh, it's very strong. Um, the open grain makes it one of the best woods for steam bending, frankly. And I can get it in any state from green to kiln dried very easily. The tree goes large, it's widespread. So I can, I, I know I can get it consistently. So for some reason, this customer comes back, I've got more where that's needed. Good length and width are, are, are always available. He didn't really talk about any length or width spec. I, I remember having this conversation, but it wasn't really that big of a deal to him. So I didn't really listen to it. So quarter sawn wood certainly is very stable highly attractive. So using white oak as well, and considering white oak is often bought on a quarter sawn spec, that could be a nice bonus to this customer. So anyway, that, that wasn't on the list at all, but it is something that I'm thinking about as a woodworker. So I would actually recommend a percentage of his order be quarter sawn. So for that he can use for the parts that, that don't need to be bent and need to be a little bit more stable under these extreme weather conditions. I do think white oak will handle just about every situation that this guy can throw at it. And to top it all off, he said he was going to build it by hand. I have a lot of experience working white oak by hand. It planes very well. Frankly, it smells fantastic while you're working it. It, it is kind of hard, but because of that open grain structure and those large pores, I find that it works very much like a wood half of its Janko hardness. So big thumbs up from, from a hand tool user, from one hand tool user to another hand tool user. So long story short, I pitched this, the customer you know, took all of my points, uh, was really very thankful. Sounded like he was quite impressed. He said that I was definitely going on his list. To me, that could sound like a bad thing, but as I told you, this guy is just so jolly when he said it. That sounded like a very great thing to be on this guy's list. So um, he did, he did place an order for White Oak. I will say he complicated this whole order a little bit by giving me a delivery dress way, way, way the heck up in Northern Canada. And he said that he would actually pick it up from there and take it to his workshop that was even further north. <laughs> I, whatever, I set it up, I got it on a truck. Um, my driver reported to me later that the customer, I, I don't mention, well, I told you this, the guy's name is Nick. Um, customer said that Nick showed up out of nowhere had an entire crew of helpers with him to load up the oak. They all did it hand, hand unload and hand load. Um, he, driver said that Nick's helpers were all pretty short, but also admitted that at that latitude this time of year was pretty dark. He couldn't see real well, but you know they quickly unloaded and loaded up. And as the crew pulled away, he swears that he heard the sound of jingle bells. I don't know what that was about, um, whatever. In the end, Nick was thrilled with the quality of the wood. He promised that he would see me again at the end of December. What? I don't know. Maybe he's gonna have another order. Maybe he'll call me at the end of December. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting because it was a customer that had very specific demands. And really, if you take each one and kind of prioritize them and think about which woods would suit each one of those demands, ultimately you'll find kind of a, a crossing of things. You'll find that perfect Venn diagram of a wood species that's gonna meet you know, weather conditions and workability and, and, you know, even, even aesthetic conditions. So think about that when you've got your next project, hopefully it won't be quite as demanding as the one that Nick had. And, uh, you know, maybe you will get the right species of wood or recommend the right species of wood to somebody and end up on their nice list, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, folks, that wraps up the lumber update for 2021. I want to say happy holidays to everybody. May you find that perfect customer 
May you find the right hardwood to meet that perfect customer. And may all your hardwood dreams come true for the rest of 2021 and all of 2022. And I ho, ho, hope you keep listening to the Lumber Update. Merry Christmas, everybody.